And what we're going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 24. That's the one right after Psalm 23. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version because I like the way it sounds. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath formed it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend to the hills of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Just take a moment to just meditate on what we just heard. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts? He is the King of glory. Selah. Do y'all know what you've just heard? What I want to say is that what you've just heard is the audible voice of God himself speaking from heaven through a man that you could understand in your own language. And that you literally heard God himself, the Father in heaven, speak to you this day. And I want you to understand that when you read the scriptures, when you open up the Bible, and when you read it for yourself, you're literally reading what God has already spoken and what he continues to speak. It's not that he said it once and that's the end of it. You'll never hear it again. He wrote it down in the scriptures and we hear it over and over and over again. And this and for what I'm going to be talking about this morning, the earth, it says in, ver, in verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it. Okay, do we believe that? If God spoke it, should we believe it? We should absolutely believe it. I'm going to, uh, we were talking about enemies this morning just a bit ago. Did you know that there are enemies of the cross who not only don't believe that the that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but they believe that enemies of the cross believe that it belongs to them or that the earth and all that is in it belongs to either them or mankind in general. 
And they act like it. They act, the, the enemies of the cross act like they believe that all of this belongs to us. It's manifested greatly in the, uh, in the doctrine of global warming and global cooling and global change and so forth. And the fact that if we don't do something, we're all going to perish quickly. Some have said it, we, we, it was going to happen in 2010. Some said it was going to be before the year 2000. Others have put it off to the year 2050 and so forth. But nonetheless, they say unless we do something, we'll all perish. And therefore, you know, we're going to tell you what to do. It manifests itself in many other ways. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. We've all heard about sodomy, abortion, transgender, coexist, in a general sense of lawlessness, in the sense that uh, I get to do whatever I want to, and you can't tell me to do not doing it. I get to pick and choose what I want to do. But if the Lord, if this world, if this creation belongs to the Father, and if we believe that it belongs to the Father, then, it, then we should be able to act like it belongs to the Father. And this world does not belong to the enemy. We're going to get to... Uh, we're going to get to Satan in just a bit. But if the world belongs to us, and then we have the way of, of acting like it belongs to us, then we have the authority on the, on the Word of God itself, on the very Scriptures, to say to anybody in the enemy's camp that you can't do that. The Word of God says that you are not allowed to, uh, <clears throat> to murder your children. It says that you are not allowed to teach falsehood to, uh, to your children. It also says that you are not allowed to uh, steal from your neighbor. And you are not allowed to tell him lies. Because the Word of God says that. And that we can stand on the authority of Scripture and say that to anybody who confronts us with such matters. How many of you have been confronted with those very things? Somebody wants to tell you, I do what I want to do. <clears throat> but we do have the authority on Scripture and we have the, and we have the Spirit that uh, indwells us, that gives us the confidence and that uh, allows us to be the witness that uh, that uh, that we've seen Christ. We were talking about it in um, in Acts chapter two. Why? What makes you convincing to a lost and dying world? What makes you convincing that uh, that you've seen the Savior, that you've seen the resurrection, that you've seen this? It's not that you went to uh, Jerusalem and you saw the empty tomb, okay? 
Yeah, that, uh, we had plenty of people go there, but uh, and they saw an empty tomb, but that does not make you convincing to someone who, to an unbeliever. The convincing part is that Holy Spirit that is within you, that uh, has that has made that has indwelt you, and that has comes out of you when you speak and when you move and when you act. The one who teaches you what to say and how to say it, and that you have to learn and uh, train yourself to be able to hear, understand that spirit, and, and work within what he's saying. And the spirit going forth, calling others to repentance, that is the convincing part. That's what convinces someone else that you've seen the resurrection, that you know it's true. And then when the spirit enters someone else, then they can be born again and do the same thing. So, back to what I was originally talking about. <laughs> what else does the enemy, what else do enemies of the cross claim for themselves? Do they, do they not claim your children? Do they not say to you that I have the authority and I have the right to teach your kid what I want him to know about global anything? Global this, global that, warming, cooling, global change, sodomy, abortion, and, this, and the whole, and whatever it is that I want to teach them. Do they not claim that for themselves? But the word of God says they do not belong to the enemy. They are our children. They are your children. They are yours. And now I'm going to ask you a question. What makes children so precious in God's sight? Okay, they're innocent. What's that? He created them. He certainly did. Innocence and creation. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, now we're getting somewhere. That's exactly where we're going. Because without children, with no children, okay, the kingdom stops. The creation stops. Everything stops. Because I'm not going to be here forever. I'm only going to, my, my flesh and blood is only going to be here for a short while. And I want you to understand this too. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All authority has been given to who? has been given to Jesus Christ. It's already happened. Happened 2,000 years ago. He sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father now judging everything. Judging the, the physical, judging the eternal, judging and, and he orchestrating this world. He is the, the king of the universe. 
The Bible says something else that throws people for a loop. Does it not say in 1 Corinthians 15, 50? I already looked it up. Okay. It says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Is that not what it says? It says, neither can uh, corruption inherit, uh, neither can corruption inherit inherit non-corruption. What does it mean to inherit? To become the heir. When you, uh, when your parents pass away, they leave you an estate as an inheritance, okay? And they leave you other things. They will leave you uh, some stories that they have told you, and they will, you know, they have. Uh, you've been living with them your whole life, and uh, and they leave behind what the knowledge they know, the experiences they've had, and the in the estate that uh, that has uh, that they have. And now their estate becomes yours to do with to do with it what you decide. But when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, are you still not temporal? How long are you going to keep it? (laughs) Until you pass away. (laughs) And then it goes to someone else. And then it goes to someone else. And it goes to someone else. And and it says specifically that this, uh, that um, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. I assure you, I assure you, your flesh and blood will pass away. Outside of the rapture, it'll pass away. Yes, one day uh, the Lord shall descend, and, and then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to the heaven, to be caught up in the clouds to meet with him in the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But that's going to happen to those who are are alive and remain at the time that he comes. But until then, I assure you, you're going to pass away. And your body is going to go to the grave. And the children that we have, that we leave behind, are going to continue the kingdom. And therefore, our flesh and blood are not in, are not inheriting this kingdom. But we will when we become uh, when we become incorruptible, because the very next statement in the, in in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, it talks about the very fact that uh, mortality shall put on immortality. Corruption shall put on incorruption. And we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's when the inheritance fully comes into, into fruition. But until then, flesh and blood is not going to inherit the kingdom of God, but it does not say that you don't live in the kingdom. It does not say that you're not here in the kingdom for a while. Because, yes, your flesh and blood is in the kingdom. It is here. It is right now, today. And although you're not inheriting it, but you're living in it for a while. For a temporary purpose. For a temporary, uh, for a temporary moment in time. 
for the purpose so that you can leave this kingdom to the next generation. So that you can teach the next generation the things that you've already learned. So that you can bring them up in the, in the fear of the Lord and the admonition of the Lord. And so that they will not be subject to the whims of the wicked. Do you understand? The very first command that God gave man, where, 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 where would we find it? Genesis. Genesis. We're actually found in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God... He created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God told man to have dominion, and he said to multiply. He said to be fruitful. He said to uh, replenish the earth, to fill the earth with who? With children, with people. <clears throat> and that, and we're going to find that that is a command, or that is a if, uh, in the Psalms we're going to be looking in, uh, to in just a minute. It's it's more of a blessing than a command. But it says you are blessed with children. Now I want to make a statement about uh, those who are unmarried and those uh, who don't have children. Because it's just a fact not everybody has biological children. But what the, but what the Lord does do is that he brings us together. Does he not command that we come together as a body and that we uh, join together in fellowship with communion and also to learn from one another and to, and to uh, and, uh, exhort one another and to encourage one another? He commands us to, to come together and do these things. And as such... We bring our whole family together. We don't leave the kids behind and say, you know, uh, you come to church when, we, when you're ready. We bring everybody to church. And that we, and all of us are now able to rub against each other and to, uh, and to encourage one another. And, how, and, and, and because we are commanded to come together, we can have, uh, you would call them godfathers, godmothers. You would have people that, uh, that, may not have children themselves, but they uh, also have great influence upon, upon people's children and upon others. And uh, that is a command of the Lord that we come together. God never suggested that anybody just, uh, you know, uh, come and meet uh, when it's convenient or, or meet uh, 
wait till you hear the uh, the the shattering voice from heaven to tell you to come to meet, but <laughs> he already told you in his word in Hebrews. He said to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. He's already given us that command. And those who fear the Lord do these things. And we and we rub against each other and we and we encourage one another. And we encourage our children in the things of the Lord to grow up in the Lord in the fear of God. Now we're going to go to Psalm 127. This is where we find that the the children they were commanded in Genesis. This is where we find out that they are our blessing from God Himself. Psalm, I'll start in Psalm 127, and we'll do Psalm 128 as well. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guard the city, the watchman stay, uh, stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so the children are of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They are not ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gates. He starts off by saying that it doesn't matter how you build or what you're building. If the Lord doesn't build the house, then it's all in vain. It's not part of the kingdom. The kingdom is eternal. The thing, the uh, the things that uh, the the institutions that men build because they want to, or they build it uh, out of their own fruition. Those things will pass away. But it says, unless the Lord builds a house, then they labor in vain who build it, and He builds an eternal house. A house that lasts forever. A family that lasts forever. A church that'll last forever. A people that'll last forever. A, a nation that will go on and on and on and on into eternity. The Lord builds those. Unless the, unless the Lord watched the city, the watchman watches in vain. The Lord is not only our builder, but he is our protector. If he doesn't protect the family, you can't. Because he can, he can find a way through. The Lord is our protector. And then it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, the fruit of the womb is his reward. The children are our heritage. We think also we think also we usually think of heritage as in the past of uh, my heritage. Uh, I get my heritage from my grandparents, my great grandparents, and so forth. My parents. And that's true. But our heritage goes forward into the future by who you leave behind. 
because now not only do your children, not only do you become, uh, you know, you are the heritage of, uh, of your grandparents, but now your children are your heritage into the future and their children after them and their children after them. And they, it is of the Lord that they are your, that, uh, that the Lord is the creator of these, of the children. The Lord is the creator of everything. I know what a doctor and I know what a scientist will tell you about how children are made. But I assure you, I assure you they can't do it. They might be able to explain it in some fashion, but they can't do it. God makes those children. Parents can't make the children. They are formed in the womb by God Almighty. And, uh, and there are people in test, you know, they have test tubes and they do all kinds of things uh, scientifically with all of these parts, but they don't make children. They just don't. God himself puts those things together. In Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hand, uh, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine, and the and the very heart of your uh, in the very heart of your house, your children, like olive plants, uh, all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, that he, that, and and may you see the good of Jerusalem, all the days of your life. Yes, and you shall and you shall see your children's children. Peace upon Israel. It says that every man who is blessed of the Lord, all who are blessed of the Lord. They eat the labor of their own hands, and we're satisfied with that. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. In the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants around your table. And then it says, verse 4 says, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. He says, this is the blessing of the one who fears the Lord, that your wife will be fruitful, that your children will be all around your table, and that, and that, um, and that you will have influence on your children, and you will be able to, to raise them up in the fear of the Lord. And it says that you shall, it says in this way, like this, you will be blessed. And I've already spoken about the fact that uh, there are some who, do, who don't have children. But how do they have children? By comes, you have spiritual children by coming together, by meeting, by coming together because you fear the Lord. Because you fear not doing what He said to do. Because you fear disobedience. Because you fear losing the hand of his protection. 
because you would fear uh, not walking in the full obedience that he has called you to do. So he says, the one who fears the Lord, this is how you will be, you will be blessed. With lots of children, with a fruitful, uh, with a fruitful wife. And then it says that all the days of your life, yes, you will see your children's children. You will see your grandchildren. And I will tell you that in these days, more and more and more, we're seeing our great-grandchildren. I can remember in, in, you know, when I was a child, I had one great-grandmother that uh, she passed away when I was about... Uh, I was about 17 years old when she passed away. And more and more and more people are living longer and, uh, and great-grandchildren are really not that uncommon. Praise the Lord. What else can you say? <laughs> Praise God. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But uh, I just wanted to say that uh, it's, it's becoming more and more common that uh, great-grandchildren are, are part of our family as well. The wise parents are going to leave a godly heritage to their children. Wise parents will leave a godly inheritance, a godly heritage to your children. Paul said, let me get this scripture right, in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, Paul said that it's not up to the children to lay up in store for their parents, but it's up to the parents to lay up in store for their children, to leave an inheritance behind. To, uh, for something that your children can build upon. How many of you know that uh, to leave an inheritance behind to a slothful child or to a child that is uh, uh, it's a great, it, it, it would be a dishonor or it would be uh, burdensome to leave an inheritance behind, to leave it, uh, your inheritance to a child that uh, squanders it. And throws it away, such as the uh, prodigal son that, uh, that we read about in the book of Luke. But um, nonetheless, even in, that, uh, even in that parable, the father still left the inheritance for his son. Because that was the command. That was the way it had to be. And it was not up to the son to, uh, to take care of the father in his old age. But it's up to the parents to leave an inheritance for their children. And it's up to us to leave a godly inheritance for them. A godly inheritance. That um, one that they can build on. One that they can, um, that can, that they can increase the kingdom with. One that they can build upon uh, without uh, I'm, getting, I'm kind of lost words, but uh, without doing violence to the Scripture. Does that make sense? Without disobeying something that God has told them to do. Without being disobedient to the Father. 
that they could take an inheritance and build upon it for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation after that. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 18. Some of you already know what I'm, what I'm getting towards. Christ has said that children are so precious and that they are so valuable because without them, we don't have a kingdom. We don't have anything. Nothing happens without the children. And I'm talking about godly children. Without godly children, nothing happens. And that's the real reason, the crux, the crux as to why they are so precious in the sight of the Lord. Yes, they're innocent. And yes, they're cute and cuddly and, and, they are, and they're so wonderful and they are such a blessing to us. And, they, and that we were commanded from the very beginning to fill the earth with, with children. But they are so precious to him because without them, nothing happens. Nothing goes on in the future. I mean, nothing. Can you imagine the kingdom stopping? No more kids, nothing. Everything stops because our flesh and blood are still temporal. It is still temporal and we and this generation is going to go away and we're going to leave behind another. That's the crux of why children are that precious to Jesus Christ. And what he says, Matthew 18, at that time the disciples came unto Jesus and said, tell us then, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in their midst, and, uh, and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say unto you, unless you, be, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as a little child and is... Uh, let me start again. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But, so, but whosoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin... <laughs> It would be better for him that a millstone be hanged around his neck and were drowned in the depths of the sea. And then he says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, because offenses must come, but woe unto that man to, for whom they, uh, the offense comes. <clears throat> it says that you have to come into the kingdom just like a little child. You have to be just as innocent in a, in, a, in a sense. You have to be able to believe the Word of God when you hear it in the same way that a little child will believe his parents no matter what they tell him. When uh, there was a... <laughs> yeah, I was uh, 
this was, I was about eight years old maybe, and, and my, uh, <laughs> I was reminded of it maybe 20 years ago, but uh, my, uh, they were really not my uncles, but uh, they were, they were kinfolk from very distant kin, let's put it that way. And, uh, and they came to, and we all had some uh, breakfast and so forth. And, uh, and I remember that uh, they told me that my barber was a witch. <laughs> and then I should not go to my barber anymore. And uh, I said, he must be. <laughs> he must be right. <laughs> That's the kind of, if you want to call it gullibility or belief or that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. When you read the scriptures, we don't have to understand it, but we have to say, yeah, it's got to be right. Because daddy is speaking to me and I believe what he's saying. That's how we come into the kingdom of heaven, by being so if you want to call it innocent or so, uh, I hate using the word gullible, but uh, yeah. Yeah, convinced. We are convinced. But we simply believe the Word of God because we believe it and because it's actually the Spirit of God within us that gives us that ability to believe it. But, uh, but, that's, how it, but that's what it is. We, we come into the kingdom just like that little child who believes anything that his parents will tell him or that someone else will tell him for that matter. And he says, when you come into the kingdom and humble yourself, it says, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom. And then he says, whosoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, in the King James, it'll be to offend. Or when you cause a little child who simply believes you just because you're, a, you're older. The little child simply believes what he hears. And then when you cause this little child to sin, Jesus said it's better than millstones hang around your neck and you're cast into the sea than to ever think about doing this because that little child is, is the next generation that's going to continue the kingdom before him. And it's going to be, and it's going to go on and on and on and on. The kingdom has already been here 2,000 years, and we've got more to go. From uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I promise you, we gotta, we're not there yet. But the kingdom continues on one generation after another, after another, after another. And that's why children are so precious in his sight. That's why they are so valuable and that's why he puts such a, pr a priority on these children, that we teach them correctly, that we teach them to uh, fear God the way we do, that we teach them to love the Lord the way we do. We teach them to love, her, to love their parents, to love each other. And we teach them to love God himself above all. And with that, I just hope that you will take what was said today and uh, think about it, meditate on it, and learn.